like Cell is a worse movie. Yeah. Cell is unwatchable. Well, Cell, the, I don't know if you read Cell the book, but that I did. Was I did read Cell the also book. And it's unreadable. Also very bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny that I was one of the, I, I wrote this in my write up, but I was like, it's one of those things where like phoners sounds dumb in a book, mm-hmm. but hearing people say it out loud is actually worse. Did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. And you will find the dairy connection. And we can party like it's 6 Hey, what's up? It's Maya. I'm back for another episode where I bore you by talking about Stephen King for a very long time. Um, I'm joined today with Lewis, who is a new friend of mine, who you may have seen his name going around because he recently wrote a BuzzFeed article where he ranked every single Stephen King movie. I did. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> and what who, what else do you do? So I know, I know you as sort of a generally funny guy on the internet. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, I am the deputy arts and entertainment editor, so I do like... A lot of editing and, and managing. And then I, I write about theater and film and TV. It seems like you get to go to, and see a lot of theater. I see a lot of theater. Yeah, this is like the crazy time of year for me. Yeah. Did you see Misery on Broadway? I did see Misery on Broadway. What did Broadway. you think? It was hot garbage. I know. So I had a bad. great time. I had a great time. It was so bad, though. Yeah. I mean, I th- I mean, Laurie Metcalf was great. She was very good. Um, But I... Bruce Willis was an odd choice. I mean, if he'd like learned his lines, it would have been fine. But yeah. he had like an earpiece and he still fucked it up. And it yeah. was kind of impressive. Yeah, it was really bad. I my um, worst like criticism of that whole show is that uh, and I've talked about this on this podcast before, but um, everyone in the in the audience seemed to think that it was a comedy. Annie would come in and like say something horrifying and everyone in the audience would laugh at it. So right. it was like the whole thing. Well, had, I think that Laurie like Metcalf reads funny to people because she was on I the guess, sitcom. But it's like, come on. It, yeah, it ruined I mean, the whole, and, any, and, and misery is funny. You know, it's like a dark right, it's comedy like in a lot of ways. Over but, the top. But I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I think people just hear everything she says like as a laugh yeah. line. Because Doll's House Part Two, which she was in, yeah, was like not a comedy. And uh, I, mean, I, I guess it was a comedy, but it was like not. There were a lot of things in there that were not like funny, laugh out loud funny, and and every line she gave was kind of treated as like a like a joke. Yeah. Um, that was more of a comedy, and then Three Tall Women is like not a comedy, but again there's humor in it and I think a lot of it just her line readings people took to be yeah funny yeah but Bruce Willis unfortunately was not Bruce funny Bruce Willis was not funny yeah. or good yeah no, no, no. also he was there were a bunch of people after the show waiting to just sort of like wave at him or whatever and he did I don't blame him but he did the thing where he just like pulled his hat down and walked by right. everybody and I was just like come on I understand not stage dooring but if you're gonna walk out it. that way you should probably say hi right. otherwise like, just like wave find another and walk exit away. right because there are other thing. ways out of the theater right um, so that was my experience with Stephen King on Broadway. On Broadway, yeah. Um, does he have other Broadway shows that I'm not he thinking wrote, of? No, but he wrote a musical. Which one? Um, and I can't remember anything. He did write, he like co-wrote a musical. I can't remember anything about it. It has not been produced here, I don't think. Um, but he definitely wrote one. Ghost Brothers of Darkland County? Yes. That sounds awesome. It doesn't? <gasps> and uh, it's by John Mellencamp yeah, and yeah, Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, I couldn't remember who the other guy was. like some yeah. rock guy. <laughs> yeah. That, that straight men like I, yeah. yeah that's amazing um great and what so what the hell made you want to watch every Stephen King movie where did this uh, come from it was like definitely more of a compulsion than a desire yeah. uh, I mean I you know I grew up watching those movies and yeah. reading Stephen King and I'd sort of always I'm just like a completist and I wanted to like find an excuse to do it yeah. to watch them all and, and so have you been thinking about it for a long time yeah I mean wow. I because I used to I've done a lot of like big rankings and I love the challenge yeah. and the masochism of like taking on a ranking like that totally and so i just kind of like put it off for as long as i could and i was like i think i have the time now i'm gonna like try to do this and i thought that it would take me like months to watch them all because a lot of them are really long a lot of them are like mini series yeah and i was like i don't know and then i watched everything in six weeks which shut was, up like excessive that's it was amazing a problem. So i didn't did do you anything ju- else yeah did you like not go to work you just i went to work i watched a little bit at work but i mostly like did my job job at work yeah. and, then and then I, just came home, I and watched. came home and I watched everything and it was That's like a, amazing you know a dry it was like early summer so there wasn't a lot of theater happening 
um, yeah, I had a lot of time to watch Stephen King. And did you like the ones that you had already seen? Did you rewatch them? I rewatched wow, everything. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so we are talking a compulsion here. Yeah, no, I, it was a problem. It's it's really so. The, one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on here is people are always asking me about Stephen King movies, and I am super not into the movies. Yeah. Like I'm, I am a book completist, so I'm. I think I've read like eighty percent of his books. Still trying to get through That's all of still them. Still very impressive. It's ridiculous when you. <laughs> he's written. Um, last time I checked, because he writes a new one like every week, but it was like I think he's written seventy six, and I've read like. 60 of them or something that's plenty that's so many books that's to read really by one person well because i mean i i did a story on him i did like an interview with him yeah um and it was pegged to uh what's it called his the outsider the second most recent book. yeah and then i had like i felt like i had just finished it and i had mm-hmm. it had been a little bit of time but it hadn't been that long and the next book came in the mail <laughs> yeah, and i, I was know. like what is happening like yeah <laughs> how is this possible it's ridiculous it's so i have i have a website where I like so my whole thing is like i track the connections across yeah. Stephen king books um and so i have a website where i track all those connections and literally like he comes out with books so quickly that my website is always out of date and i'm like how are you writing an entire book faster than i can update like one thing in a database right. it's crazy well I, I i love that though that's always been like i think that because i've never been like a superhero person so yeah. but they're like the kind of like universe thing of the books is like really cool to me and that's yeah. always been like a big selling point is like you kind of rewarded by like binging these that's my these thing books. too right um the movies the movies don't really work that way <laughs> right. but there are like you know there are cool connections if you know enough about the yeah. world of Stephen King to get it and I really I mean I've always like dreamt of a Stephen King movie universe yeah but um that will probably never happen because the Dark Tower was so bad. I know. Uh, but like, you know, you never know. I mean, Castle Rock was kind of like that weird fanfic It tried to be. So I, I did an episode about Castle Rock, so I won't go too deep into this. But my gripe with Castle Rock is, I don't know if you know, that you probably know this, but it originally wasn't intended to be an actual Stephen King show. They didn't have the rights to it. Right. And then they, after they had written the whole show, got the rights to the Stephen King yeah. stuff. And so I feel like they just shoved all this stuff in there. Right. And I'm supposed to just be like, oh, it's Cujo. Like it just, right. it's not the clever way that Stephen King does no, it. No, no, no. It was a lot. Of, I mean, I actually I did like the show I didn't like the last episode yeah. I thought the reveal and then episode 9 was really cool not to like be too much about Castle Rock because you yeah, have to yeah. cover that but um, but then I was like in, in episode 10 I was a little bit confused as to where we were going with this yeah but I did think that the details they included I, I had like a running post on BuzzFeed that I updated every week with oh, like nice. all the all the connections I thought they were like at least like cool nerdy details like they were character names that like you don't know unless you yeah. like have read the body like a thousand times or you know have Google you yeah. can also figure it out. But like you, there were like really, you know, small details. And then yeah. at the same time, there was a con, there were like the constant Jackie references Torrance. to, right. That's a little bit less subtle. Yeah. Or like Cujo is mentioned a lot. And I'm like, realistically, a rabid dog is not going to register with this town. Like a lot of bad <laughs> right. shits happen Way in Council Rock. And we're talking about yeah. Cujo and not like the time the devil came to town and like right. made everyone kill each other. Right. Like, that seems way more pressing. Well, and it's like the reason they do that is because everyone has read Cujo or at least right. heard of it. Or knows like, Cujo, right. Right. And so it's like they have to, I feel like, I think that that show was trying to get people who aren't super fans into the whole concept of the the Stephen King multiverse. But it just, I feel like I had the same problem with the Dark Tower where it was like, if you're not a Stephen King fan, it's going to make no sense to you. It's so boring. And if you are one, you're going to be like, this is so stupid. It doesn't make, it was, that was awful. It was so bad. I think that, yeah, I mean. Castle Rock was better than Dark Tower. Castle Rock was definitely better than Dark Tower. (laughs) I did not include it on my list because I only did direct adaptations and also because Castle Rock is not a is a is a series series so it's gonna have another season right which they said was an anthology but they set it up like they're gonna do like a Jackie Torrance season right well that's what I heard is that the rumors that it's gonna be about the Overlook and so Jackie will be there I don't know the Overlook blew up well it did in that universe but they're doing like a slightly different well so the other I mean the thing that I kept noticing that was really cool so in the opening credits it's like really this is like really nerdy but um, you would appreciate it. Yeah, they have that. Um, they have the number two seventeen crossed out. Yeah, and two three seven is written under it. Oh, that's so good. And there was this whole thing where like they they repeatedly use the movie. Like it's all references to the movie The Shining and yeah. not the book. And so it felt very deliberate to me. Like they knew they were referencing the movie The Shining. Right. Um, which I appreciate because I mean, th- there was no axe in the book. Right. So that's like not a. Th- and they kept talking about the axes. Yeah. Um. So I guess they could, yeah, I guess it's about, it's a Castle Rock will be about the, the movie The Shining. Yeah. Um, but they can't, I mean, what's the point of doing a season about The Shining if you don't have, like, Jack Nicholson? Right. Well, th- right. If you're doing about the, the movie The Shining, it's like, you know. Right. I guess they can get Stephen Weber. Yeah. That's my thing is, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think I'm glad that it's happening. Right. I feel like there's a bunch of new Stephen King fans out there because of it. I'm enjoying that. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I think that's true of the, you know, the movies. We're getting all these new movies, too. I and know. I, and I... It's the Stephen King connaissance. It is, though. I mean, and I, 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 when I interviewed him, I was asking him about that because I think that it's like kind of twofold. I think that 
part of it is that he's become this like Twitter personality and that draws a lot of people to yeah, like for know sure. who he is, even though he says a lot of dumb shit on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then I think also it's just that there are these like good movies being made and it had been yeah, so long since a real good one. And, and in watching all of them, I realized there are so few good ones. I know. Like on my list, I think when you get to like maybe 20, then yep. it's like, that's pretty good. But even then they're really like, they're more things that I enjoy than things that I think are like admirable. Totally. Like I think my, my number 20 was like the Carrie remake, the most recent Carrie remake, which is like fun, but also like a, a mess. And I, I, I really, like the top 10 are like good movies. And right. Everything else is kind of like. Yeah. I remember when I was going through your list, I, which we'll link to in the show notes, but I was, I was curious because I've sort of done a, an analysis before on like, just based on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb ratings of like how many really are bad. Right. Because the, um, the, everyone's understanding of Stephen King movies that they're all terrible and unwatchable. And right. I wanted to disprove that. I was unable to because really the majority of them are the like majority are bad. very I think that, bad. Yeah. And I think that like, I mean, there are some that like were not that well received that I think are actually really good. Like The Mist I think is great. And I think that it's not, you know, people don't love that movie. Yeah. Um, and there are ones like, like Gerald's Game, which I really like, which kind of um, people didn't really see it or you know, it was on Netflix. Yeah. 1922 is the same way. Like also stories that are not as popular. So I think that like there are some gems hidden in there. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of like really shitty ones. And part of it's just that like, I mean, the bar was set so high at the beginning, right? Because yeah. the first two are Carrie and The Shining. Yeah. Which are classic films. Right. And like everyone's favorites. And then it was movies. just like a lot of garbage for a long time. And a lot of TV, a lot of miniseries, like Salem's Lot was the first miniseries. And watching it again is like a, it's a slog. Yeah. It's not fun. Well, and why, do, why do you think, why do you think so many of his books and stories get made into movies, even the ones that clearly shouldn't have been? Well, I mean, I think it originally started out is that like he, and he said this, like he has a very cinematic view of things. Mm -hmm. So like he, he writes in a cinematic way. Like he grew up on movies. He writes as if he's like writing a movie in some ways. And so with his first novel, like Carrie was already cinematic. It makes sense that Carrie right. would be adapted over and over again. Oh, there's a Carrie musical, of course. Carrie oh, musical, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I don't, are there any other Stephen King shows on, on that have been on Broadway? I have no idea. I'm sure there's like hundreds. That there's, are I mean, just there's like... definitely been like there are definitely like adaptations of yeah. like that people do like regionally or whatever that they try because it's like I know he has like weird. You can get the rights to certain things pretty easily. Right. For there's Stephen like King. The, what is it? The Dollar Baby. Right. That's why they make those like those short films. But I, I feel like there's probably a theatrical version of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carrie's been adapted so much, I think, because like he wrote that novel and you can you when you read it, you like see it. Right. And um, that makes that's why, you know, that kind of gets adapted so much. And then I think now you kind of run out of books. And so a lot of the ones that should not be adapted are adapted. Right. Um, I found a lot of a lot of the really, really bad movies are short stories that should like never have been stretched out to feature right. length. And probably because people were like, Stephen King movies do well. We need a Stephen King hit. And they just picked a random story. Right. Yeah. Um. But it's really, I mean, it's random. There were, there's some, some exceptions. Um, well, like The Body is a great example. Like right. that's Stand By Me, which is one of the greatest Stephen right. King adaptations ever. Right. And I, but I think that works because it's just like about, I mean, you have a really good director and a really good writer yeah. finding a way to make these kids interesting. So nothing really happens. That's right. like the whole point is they just like go on this journey and they're like, never mind. Um, <laughs> but it works really well because of like those actors and like the chemistry between them and, right. you know, what they, you know, the whole vibe. Like it's super sentimental, but it really works for right. me. Whereas uh, if you have a super low budget and a shitty director. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. And I think um, it's always also really tricky because his books are so long and there's so much detail on them. Yeah. That it's a question of how much to include. And they're often like either overstuffed or with the Dark Tower, like really just, complicated. Well, I mean, the Dark Tower is a baffling choice because you could yeah. have just done the gunslinger, right? You could have just done. But the gunslinger, here's my thing. The gunslinger is very boring. I love the Dark Tower. <laughs> that book I, I tried to read it multiple times before right. I could get through the whole thing. And then I only did it because I was like, I really want to read the rest of the series. Totally. A gunslinger movie, maybe like that, maybe they could have found a way to make it interesting. Maybe. Right. But like, I think what they should have done is they should have done drawing of the three. They should have had the gunslinger be like a 10 minute opening to the beginning just yeah. to give you context. Drawing of the Three is such a good story and it's got like, you know, all these different, it's like a multi-generational epic story with all these great characters and all this yeah. like surprising stuff happens and then that would set the tone for the whole Dark Tower universe. Yeah, I mean, that was just, it's such, a, weird thing it's that such they, a misfire. It, it, yeah, and it, terrible. It was actually hard ranking it because um, I tried to view everything objectively and I haven't read all the books, right? So when I can't, you say I objectively, do you mean like you're trying to come in pretending that you're a person who like hasn't seen the others or doesn't well, know anything about so Stephen it's, King? It's complicated because like obviously it's my opinion, like, yeah. bottom line, but I really wanted it to be like not just like, like the Dark Tower is the most personally offensive to me. Right. So like, 
like the Langoliers is dumb, but I don't have any attachment to the Langoliers yeah. story. So like, or novella. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's not a great miniseries, but it's like dumb and fun. And right. I don't care about the Langoliers. Right. But like the Dark Tower is like, that's like my Stephen King. And yeah. so when I see a bad version of that, I want to be like, worst movie on the list. Right. Even though like, it's not the worst of the movies. It's just really bad. Yeah. Like Cell is a worse movie. Yeah. Cell is unwatchable. Well, Cell, the, I don't know if you read Cell the book, but that I did. Was I did read Cell the also book. It's unreadable. also very bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny that I, was one of the, I, I wrote this in my write up, but I was like, it's one of those things where like phoners sounds dumb in a book, mm-hmm. but hearing people say it out loud is actually worse. Right. So this is my thing about Stephen King movie adaptations is it's interesting that like you and he both think that he talk about it like he writes in a cinematic way. I agree that he writes it like he's watching a movie, but I also think that he writes so many things that would be impossible to right. turn into a movie. Like when you think about Tommy Knockers or Dreamcatcher. Tommy Knockers is like right. right. A lot of the stuff that happens in Dark Tower. It's like the whole time I was reading Dark Tower, I was like, I would love to see this movie, but like this would never. It would never work. work. It would never work. I mean, I, I, I Tommy Knockers is getting remade, so that's happening, yeah. which is crazy to me because it is like very bizarre that, yeah. that would even you'd even try. I mean, I will watch that. I like I liked Tommy Knockers the book. I know everyone else hates it, including Stephen King, but right. I liked it. I've never read it. Um, it's, yeah, it's weird. I also, I mean. Dreamcatcher, the movie, yeah. <laughs> I think is not as bad as people say it is, but it's it, just a it's, ridiculous, it's ridiculous. Concept. It's That's so silly, and right. it has like my least favorite Stephen King trope, which is like the person with special needs who's like secretly has powers, which right. is like it, it's it's in so much of his like when you. And the other thing about watching the movies is like you see these like patterns, right? Yeah. Like if you've read all the books, you get them too. But like it reminds you like oh every tyrant like right. every, it's all writers, they're all writers. Yep. They're mostly men, and then there's going to be like some sort of like someone with a disability who's yeah. like has magic a powers secret, yeah. or whatever they're, they're there's deaf also, or they have you know mental so disability. I have I have a whole list on my website of all of these things and it's all of those things there's also um often people's spouses dying there's mm-hmm. um roses are a big theme obviously the number 19 right. but um there's also uh there's another good one but there's like there's so many oh I started noticing that he uses the word insouciant in like every oh, single like possible case. I love it <laughs> right. but it's like once you read it in like the eighth book you're like okay I feel like there's maybe a better word for that but I it's funny that you have picked that up from the movies because I haven't seen enough movies to see that but like yeah. when I read the books I'm like there's that thing there's that thing there's another um something about like the way he describes denim he says the same way in every book <laughs> That's like, really there's funny. a whole list of them yeah it was really it was it was cool I mean it's like there are definitely patterns I picked up on just reading them but it had been a while since I, I hadn't kept up with those books I, I think the yeah. last one I had read before the outsider was like I don't even remember you know it had been like like I remember reading under the dome and then I dropped off for a long time yeah. um I hadn't read the Mr Mercedes books I don't like them. um I like that show, actually. The really, show. I haven't yeah. watched that. Season two is weird because like the books became. Did you read all? You read all the books? Yeah, uh, I read two of the three. So you know how like they it becomes it goes from detective story to like supernatural. Yeah. So to have a show do that is really strange because now season two is all about like Brady trapped inside his own mind. Yeah. And it's very weird to watch, um, but still kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I had a point somewhere here. Um, yeah. His so, books. Right. So that I, I dropped off. So, so so watching them all again, you like notice these patterns even more. Yeah. And. There are like the obvious ones, like they're literally all in Maine, but I think things like um, these sort of like these were kind of regressive, like old fashioned characters that shouldn't exist that yeah. he keeps bringing back. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's not not a great look. And yeah. Also, especially bad on screen because you could read that. and right. This is probably like not great. But seeing it, you're like, oh, this right. is not great. No, totally. And what so how how many books have you read of his? Oh, God. A lot, um, a few, half of them. Probably more like at this point, like a third okay. of that. I mean, like, I mean, that's I, a lot, yeah. Yeah, or maybe even a quarter. I, there's a lot that I've missed. Um, I didn't, you know, I I started reading them when I was like probably 11 or 12. And I definitely had that period when I was like in middle school where I would read all of them. Yeah, same. Um, I remember like, you know, I remember when I read It for the first time and I remember reading, um, I remember reading The Shining. I remember reading Pet Cemetery, which... Freak me the fuck out. Pet Cemetery is the worst one. So yeah. scary. I couldn't watch the movie. That I, the, watching it this time was the first time I'd seen the movie all the way through because I turned it off when I rented it when I was like 13 because yeah. it was too scary. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely read them. I just haven't kept up with them. And there's yeah. also like a huge chunk of, of like a lot of his books in the 80s. I just like didn't, there's periods I didn't read yeah. the books I just didn't read because they were. I don't know, Gerald's Game, Tommy Knockers, things that I just never felt like I had to right. pick up. Well, and there's that whole decade where Stephen King himself is sort of like, don't bother with those books. Right, like, I don't right. There even... was a lot of cocaine. Yeah. Um, I do remember like when Dreamcatcher came out and I was really excited to like read a new Stephen King. Yeah. And I remember like thinking <laughs> that it was like, I kind of enjoyed it. And then I was like, maybe this is not good, like right. later. 
but I think I also was just like, oh, it's dairy. Like that's that's right. That's cool. That's the thing is like even the worst Stephen King book. So I recently reread Christine, which is like just a, I don't know if you've read the book. I haven't read like, the book, but I love the movie. It's great, but like the book is a disaster for so many reasons. Like there, there's literally the the sort of like thing that everyone likes to make fun of is he switches. Um, like the, so the, the first third of the book is narrated in the first person. And then he suddenly just switches because the guy who was the narrator just like goes into the hospital for six months. And when someone asked him about it later, he was like, yeah, I just didn't really plan ahead. And I didn't know it's like the structure is all weird. And like, it's very boring. It's like 800 pages long and nothing happens. But like even reading Christine, which is one of his, you know, like clearly badly written books, it's still so fun to read. Like it's such a right. page turner. You care so much. And I, I'm reading a book right now um, that's by, I think it's like Dan Simmons. And um, he's allegedly like a Stephen King-esque horror writer. And it really reads like somebody read Stephen King and was like, this is easy. I can do this too. And it's like, you you see what it's like when it's missing the heart and the detail that he puts right. into it. Because you can't just write like a scary story and have it matter to anybody. It's right. really hard to do. There's so many like weird like Stephen King isms that I like, know. you know, and they're like that I remember when I first noticed them. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't, you, you can like make up rules apparently. Like totally. he, just, he just makes up rules and like it works. Yeah. Like all that weird shit in it where you're reading it and you're like, this is just strange. But it was yeah. so cool to me when I was like, a kid who should not have been reading it. Yeah. Because that book is not for kids. It super is not. And like, I, you know, I, I almost wish that I hadn't, but I think it's good that I read that when I was like 12. I think it was like important. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good, like sort of coming of age story. Um, and what, so I'm curious when you talked to, when you interviewed Stephen King, yeah. you told him that the project you were doing was watching every movie. No, this, this was, was unrelated. This was unrelated. Okay. Yeah. No, I had this weird period where I was like only doing Stephen King stories mm. and it wasn't, like, I think I had been prepping for the interview and that might have been what set me off to do uh, the movie ranking. Yeah. But I had pitched an interview with him like a year before. It was when Sleeping Beauties came out, mm-hmm. the book that he wrote, wrote with the son. Yeah. One of the son, not Joe Hill. Owen. Owen, the other one. The sorry, other one. sorry, Owen. The not Joe Hill one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ter- I, I, yeah, no, I'll just. Owen yeah. is a super fan of the podcast, so he's going to hear that. Is he really? No, I'm lying. Oh my gosh. I got really scared. <laughs> I'm sure he, listen, I'm sure he's great. I didn't, basically, I pitched this interview and I was like, people don't write Stephen King profiles because he doesn't give a lot of access. He yeah. hates doing press. Right. And so I was like, I'd love to do a real story on him. I think he's emerged as like a really fascinating figure post Trump election. Yeah. And I think his books capture something about American culture. Totally. That you could really explore with him. Um, and they were like, great, he's doing, he'll do press with us, with, with Owen. So if you want to talk to him, talk to Owen too. And I was like, happy to talk to Owen for like quotes about his father, but like, I don't want it like, right. It's not about, it's not about the book. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, okay, we'll check back in when his next novel comes out. So I like waited. And then when the outsider was coming out, I was like, Hey, can we do this now? And I really wanted to go to Maine and like do it there and like spend time with him. But he just just doesn't do that. Like he did one with Rolling Stone like a decade ago. He doesn't like doing press and, um, you know, I have interviewed him twice now because I interviewed him about Under the Dome, weirdly enough, but yeah. like, it was a phone interview he was doing. Um, and he's like super chatty and nice and like it's not, you know, he was never, this time a little less so, which I can go into, but um, I, I, it's not like I feel like he doesn't, he's not hostile because I've interviewed people who like hate press. Right. I interviewed John Carpenter on the set of Halloween, the new Halloween, obviously, yeah. so I'm not that old, but um <laughs> I, I, and he's grumpy and like doesn't like doing press clearly, right? But Stephen King just, I think, doesn't like feel like he has much more to say yeah. in terms of that. And I think the tough thing for me this time was that like I really wanted to get into like the politics that runs throughout some of his books. Yeah. And he just wasn't having it. He really doesn't feel like his books are political at all. I see. And I, to me, like, I think that like he is so good at capturing this sort of like undercurrent of like tension and hatred in society yeah. and like, all these idyllic small town all he ever writes about is like these small towns that seem really nice on the yeah. outside but there is horrible shit happening and everyone just kind of ignores it like that is so but central also, to him is the outsider the most recent one he did or is there one since then there's is that um, the newest one he did a castle rock one that i have not read there that came out after the outsider so one of those two i thought that it was specifically pitched as like this is his political like statement about what's going on well, The Outsider is the one about... See, my thing was, like, it's kind of this whole thing where, like, the the book is, like, what if the truth... What if you think you know what the truth is, but it's the truth right, is not... Right, right. That's what it... Right. And, and that's, like, so, clearly related but, to what... But he was, like, no. He was, like, it's a stretch. Because someone had done a review. I think it was AV Club did a review where they were, like, The Outsider is, like, it for the Trump era. Right. Which is admittedly a bit of a stretch but there are certainly elements of it that felt like it to me and i I understand where where they were coming from and he was like no way that's a stretch and i i 
I don't know if he doesn't see it or doesn't want to alienate people beyond his tweets, but he's very political. I mean, he, he tweets about Susan Collins all the time. Right. Like, and gun control I mean, all constantly. All he tweets about now is politics. Right. So to me, it was like very much fair game. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, I understand his sort of perspective that like the books are the books and my politics are my politics. But as he acknowledged, you can't ever really divorce your like your political leanings, especially yeah. in an era like this where we are, we're so hypercharged about politics. You can't not have that infuse like your books in some way. Right. And the outsider has lots of references to like Trump and right. stuff like that. So whether or not he sees it, that's so me, interesting. It's there. I wonder if it's because he's getting a lot of like just like bullshit from people about being so yeah, political. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think though that like he also is like fundamentally a storyteller and yeah. he doesn't like the fact that people are projecting a meaning onto his work that he doesn't but like, see that it all being of there. his books and stories, it's like all of them have such direct ties to like actual things in the world or to his of life. Course, like yeah, yeah. that really surprises me because I feel like he for every single story that he has, it's like there's an interview with somebody or, you know, the book jacket or whatever it is where he's like, this was based on like my mom's death or this was right. based on my accident or this was based on my marriage. Like it's it's weird that he wouldn't embrace the like yeah, political I think inspiration. That's, right. I think that's a little I think that the difference there is like drawing from yourself versus drawing from like the world, the world at large. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wrote the piece I wrote. He, he never responded to it, which is fine. Yeah. I don't know if he read it. I don't think he would have liked it. Okay. Um, I still love Stephen King. Yeah. And um, did you like talking to him? Like, was it? Yeah. I mean, it was it was harrowing. Like, it yeah. was like it was, <laughs> you know, it's like he's one of those people that like he's someone I grew up with. Like, he's an icon, yeah. you know, to me and just in general, he is like he's a cultural icon. And so I felt tremendous pressure. Yeah. I prepared more questions than I ever like have for an interview. Yeah. Like, I really had a lot of questions and I had a, cause I, I got a full hour with him and that was the compromise when I wouldn't, they wouldn't let me go to Maine. They were like, we will give you the only sit down like print interview he's doing. Yeah. That's amazing. And we'll give you a full hour. And I was like, I will take it. Yeah. Um, we ended up talking for 45 minutes cause it was scheduling shit, which always happens. But yeah. still like that's a long time to sit with someone yeah. who doesn't love all your questions. Right. <laughs> so it was definitely nerve wracking, but like I, I, and I wanted him to like, I wanted to change his mind about press. Right. Yeah. I wanted to be like, let me talk to you about your books. Let me show you that I care deeply about right. all of this. Right. Um, and I, you know, we got there in, at times, but I think also he was like, you're a nut, which yeah. is, which is fine. I'm honestly, so this is my biggest fear is like, I really, my only goal in life is to meet Stephen King and tell him how important he's been to right. me. And I know that he would not give a shit because he hears this from so many people all the time. Right. And I like, so I've never talked to him. I was in the same room as him one time because I went to a reading that he did. Um, and he wasn't like talking to people, so I didn't get to say hi. But like just being in the same room as him was so weird and emotional for me that right. I was like, it's probably a good thing that I didn't get to talk to him because I feel like he would just be annoyed. They're, like, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure in your job, like you probably right. meet a lot of famous people yeah. and it's like, there is nothing that you can say to them that they haven't heard before or right. that is going to make them care about you, which sucks because I feel like Stephen King is one of those people that like means so much to so many people. My, my thing is always like, go for a really specific compliment. Like, like go for like, you know, talk about the book that like no one talks about. Right. And talk about why that meant things But don't you. you think he can see through that? Like if I'm like, Tommy Maybe. Knockers was great. He'll be like, no, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I think he'd appreciate that though more than like I love you right yeah because I feel like he does get that all the time yeah uh, and he's also one of those people who's like shockingly successful in a way like none of us can comprehend but yeah. is so like grounded and like tries really hard to like not be a famous person yeah like he is so, he's made so much money so much money. Like a ridiculous amount. Like an absurd amount of money. And he uh, well, and you know, when you lives a normal him, life. Right. When you hear him talk about it, it's like, it doesn't even seem like, it, he seems like he doesn't understand why he's made so much money from this stuff right. because he just sits down and writes these ideas that he has and it like flows out of him right. and whatever. Um, but you, have you ever been to Maine? Did you ever? Yeah. So that was the crazy thing is like, so during all of this, I was like, I ended up, I'd always wanted to go to Maine, um, like because of Stephen King basically. Yeah. And I ended up going in the middle of, watching these movies i went to maine for a week that's awesome and so that was really cool because i would like i like went out during the day and like did maine stuff but at night like i was kind of in the middle of not in the middle of nowhere i was like in ogunquit but i was oh, yeah, yeah. a little bit removed from like the main stretch um and so i was like watching you know the stand like in ogunquit which yeah. is where you know part of it, where part of it starts yeah um with i can't remember molly ringwald's character's name because <laughs> i've never actually read the stand but um, oh, um, Franny. That sounds right. I assume she's the cute girl in it. Yeah, yeah. And she, I've read uh, the book, but not seen the movie. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The character who's reduced to like getting pregnant at the end. Yes, Franny, yeah. that book is. 
and movie like not great for women or disability at yeah, all but really good i'm sure the book is great the movie <laughs> like I, I i was like this is like rough there yeah. was a lot more rape than i expected and it was just like really the female characters were really bad yeah. and then it has like the worst day of sex machina that i've like ever seen with the literally like, god's literal hand fist coming down com- coming yeah. down and like outside of like needful things like that's probably one of his worst endings yeah there are plenty to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Their endings are yes. I mean, it's kind of like whenever I read a Stephen King ending that I like, kind of like. I'm like, okay, yeah, because it's okay, yeah. But there's so much build up in his books. I mean, Needful Things was the one that really bothered me because that book is all about building up to this yeah. like insane ending, and you're like, oh, we're gonna just do that then, yeah, or like. I mean, or it, where you're like, it's a giant spider, and that's, yeah. that's how we're that's, like. Gonna... Honestly, I'm a little worried about it. Part two, the movie, because I really feel like people are not gonna enjoy it. Well, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they have to do the spider, I guess. But also, it doesn't really make sense. What about the child orgy? Well, they're not going to do the child orgy. I mean, they're going to do some version of that, no? They're going to... I guess they'll do some lame, like, bonding ceremony. Yeah. In the original... I mean, they did the the blood... The cutting their hands thing, but that's Mm, in the book as well. Yeah. Uh, But they... In the the original script, there was... Because I read one of the versions of the original script, Mm. like, Kerry Fukunaga, because he was credited on on the version, but he, like, wrote a very different original version that was much darker um there's this moment where they all kind of like oh it's it's beverly like takes all of the their faces in her hands and like looks at them really intently when they're lost down there and you're like okay this is what we're getting instead of the orgy right okay um they would never they would never (laughs) do like an actual child orgy uh thank god i almost asked him about that but it was just like too he'd already talked about how he thought it was silly people were so fixated on that and i was like you should admit that it was a bad it was just a really weird thing to write into that otherwise perfect book yeah, but there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in there, but that is especially bad. And yeah. I think that like he's written some really incredible female characters, and he's also like shown a lot of like lack of care for female characters yeah. over the years. So yeah. it's you know with like Dolores Claiborne, you're like, how do you write this? And then also like you know write scenes like that where I feel like you have no regard for yeah this character beyond like as a vessel for all the men around her. Right. Well, and I think he would argue that's just what the characters wanted to do. Sure. You know, it wasn't sure. him. Right. Great. I, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> so you went to Maine. I went to Maine. Yes. I went to Maine. I watched a lot of Stephen King movies while I yeah, was there. While so I walked cool. around Maine. It was awesome. I loved being there. It wasn't spooky. I was hoping it would be a little spooky, but it did feel very Stephen King. Yeah. And I do like think it's so cool that he like has made Maine such a like. It's amazing. It's a Stephen King destination. Yeah. You know, like I, I it like and, and watching those movies like the ones that were actually like filmed there or at least like try to look like they're filmed there. Yeah. There's something cool that there's this like authenticity to it where you feel like it's, it's capturing this, like this very Stephen King vibe. Totally. That Maine is that. Yeah. All of like, like watching Dolores Claiborne and then uh, all that, you know, the lighthouse stuff and then seeing all these lighthouses and being like, yeah, it was, it was neat. It's so cool. I went, so I did the, um, in Bangor, they have like a Stephen King tour, Uh which is the best thing that I've ever done. I actually did it on my birthday one year and it was like the best birthday I've ever had. Oh, also we have almost the same birthday. Happy birthday. You too. Congratulations on being a year older. Thank you. Um, so we uh, we did that in Bangor and it was awesome. It's like you see um, there's like the cemetery from Pet Cemetery. There's like the the store that inspired Randall Flagg's name. There's like the corner from Insomnia. Like there's all this stuff that it's like it yeah. looks exactly like it did in the book. But the coolest thing was we went to Lisbon Falls, which is what um, I forget. I think Castle Rock is based on Lisbon Falls. Um, but it's like it looks exactly how like it, in Needful Things when he's describing like the small town with the one main street and there's the mill and it looks exactly right. like that. And it was like, it was like I was in a dream. It was so crazy. Yeah. I, no, I love it. that. I'm going to, I, I want to go to Bangor really badly. I wanted to go to do the yeah. interview. I mean, he has a, he has a house somewhere else in Maine. I know that he, there's, the Stephen King house is like there. Right. He's got like a lake house or something. Yeah. But he definitely yeah. spends a lot of time at the other one that's like not as famous. Yeah. Uh, but I want to go to Bangor. I yeah. got, I feel like I have to do that at some point. I feel like I have to disclose that I got engaged in front of his house in Bangor. <laughs> Which is really embarrassing. My husband, no, that's, that's I didn't perfect. want that, but it's just now that I look back, it was nice. But um, yeah, I'm glad you've been to Maine. It's really magical. Yeah, I want to go back. I think about it all the time. I know. And it's I, so great. I, yeah, I, I really, I also, I did, I, I almost did a set visit for Castle Rock. It, it didn't pan out, but I was yeah. trying to do it because I, I, it wasn't filmed in Maine, but I, I wanted to see how they would capture that town. Yeah. And I think the show did a decent job of capturing that, but. Yeah, you know, you should 100% go to Lisbon Falls. It's crazy. Well, I will. I will try. Yeah, and they have a little. Um, uh, they have a Moxie store there. You know, Moxie. 
Moxie. It's like the state drink of Maine. It's sort of oh, like a bad no, I, root beer. Okay. Uh, but it's really cute. And it's the Moxie store that is in 112263. Like there's all these cool things. And oh, it's like you okay. can tell that he was sitting there looking at it while he wrote it. Um, but See, I highly that's, recommend That's a book the, I didn't read. But I actually really? enjoyed the Hulu series. I know. So that's one of my... I want to talk about my complaints with your list, which okay. I know that you've heard from many other people. No, by all means. So 112263, I felt was unwatchable. Really? I thought James Franco was such a bad choice. I thought that Sadie was like way too like hot and one-sided. Like in the book, she's so like complicated and real. Right. And like, um, I, I guess I just can't forget that it's James Franco. But yeah. I just felt like all the acting was so flat. It just felt like... I can see that. I think he was there. he was very restrained. Like yeah. James Franco was very uh was doing a very like subtle thing and it worked for me, but I also get finding it a little bit like It's just like if I didn't already if I didn't know what the story was, right. I don't think I would have lasted more than a couple episodes. Right. So I didn't so I didn't read it. So I, I had nothing uh, to base okay. it on. Right. So, so maybe like, maybe it was more exciting if you don't know where it's going. Yeah, because I thought actually yeah. like I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I like these time travel rules. Like it was very Yeah, because it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought okay. it was really cool. That's fair. So I disagreed with that. Um, <laughs> I I remember, I don't remember where you ranked the Green Mile, but I remember that you said that everyone was angry where you put that it. That was that people were angriest about Green Mile, yeah. It was like below it 10 or something. Oh, it was like, yeah, it's low. Like It's like mid-range. like mid range. The Green Mile, I think, honestly, is maybe my favorite movie, not even just Stephen King really? movie. I, it just doesn't, I don't know. I think it like... Mr. Jingles didn't do it for you? No, no. I mean, there are things I like about it and like it makes me cry, but I just yeah. like, it feels very of its time to me. Like it feels like very, and I think it's weird. Like the whole, the whole vibe of it is weird to me. Like watching that and like watching Shawshank and sort of just like the different, like sort of this like weirdly happy prison, like it's death row, yeah. but like Tom Hanks is like super nice. And it just like, I, I just didn't love that. And I think that, you know, the, the characters are messy. I don't know. It just, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very sweet. Um, and do you have you read the the book? I haven't. The so the book I will say is much better, and I think that in the and maybe I'm like biased watching the movie because I've read the book so many times. But like in the book, you get so much more of his first person narration about like Green Mile. Really, the book is about what it's like to grow old, and so it's like really a story about his life. And there's just these little like snippets of right. looking back at the prison, and I feel like that works better because he's sort of looking at everything through these rose-colored glasses because he's thinking about when he was young sure, yeah, and all yeah. stuff. So I think, like, it works so and much it is, better And the movie is the from book. his perspective, so it is, but, like... But, like, to a lesser extent, like, right. I feel like you forget that there's, like, an old man talking about it. Right. Um, but I, I see it. I just, like, nothing makes me cry more than that whole Mr. Jingles thing. Oh, I mean, I just, sure. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't really... The, but, like, the whole execution scene is, like, real rough. Yeah. We can we can, we can can move on. Yeah. But that was, that was the one that people got mad about, like, were really mad about, and then... People were mad that I ranked The Mist so high. Yeah, so let's talk about The Mist because sure. I also don't like The Mist. Great. I uh, loved The Mist until the ending. Oh, the ending's the best part. I know, but I'm one of those people that like if the ending of a movie is too upsetting, I just get mad and I can't enjoy okay. the movie. So I think the movie was really well done. Yeah. I hate, because they changed the ending, you know, that's not actually what happens in the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I but, much but prefer But Stephen King likes the ending. They, they I know. Change. And, and I, I think it's... It is a really upsetting ending. Like it is one of the all time most upsetting endings yeah, of the movie. Right. And I think Which that I it's guess like, does make the argument for like it's a really it like sticks with you. Like it's an effective movie. Yeah. I, I mean the only thing I didn't like watching it again was the CGI. Mm-hmm. But I am a very I am anti CGI almost always. And my biggest fear about the new pet cemetery I know. is they're gonna do CGI for Gage at the end. And I'm yeah. like, that's like a, a really big issue for me. I'm like I want to see an actual, like, two-year-old yeah. with a scalpel. Well, that's what was so scary about the original one. Right. Terrifying. And, like, it's, you know, there are times when that baby looks fake. When he throws him against the wall, you're like, yeah. that's not a, that's not right. a real child. But, but that's not the scary part. Right. No. And I I, I just don't, I don't want a CGI version yeah. of that. I'm ter- I'm terrified. Yeah. And I think the parts of it that are the worst, the new and the CGI, CGI, where I'm like, you know, you can do practical effects. Well, and I think, like, that's worth mentioning because I, there's all these remakes happening with Stephen King movies, and now everything in the world is CGI. But, like, one of the things that made his original movies so like Carrie and it and Pet Cemetery right. and even Cujo so scary was that like it just looks like real life yeah. like when you look at the clown like Pennywise and it the original one it's fucking terrifying it's just like a creepy man standing right. in, like that's so much scarier than a CGI alien right well I think that like yeah I mean one of the worst things about the Carrie remake was the CGI it was like the when the blood falls and they show it from different angles and oh, it's no. like very clearly I like, haven't seen it you haven't seen the 2014 no. Carrie Okay, so when the blood falls, you see it from all these different angles, and it's, like, very clearly, like, CGI blood falling down. Um, and then uh, when What's-Her-Name gets killed, uh, you know, the 
the mean girl whose name I'm not Sue, the other one. I don't remember. When she gets killed, like Carrie stops her car and her head goes into the, the windshield and it's done in slow motion and like this really it's just like very yeah. silly. Um the thing that I I, I mean I, I could have written like many paragraphs about every one of those movies and I yeah. didn't because I wanted I to I wish you would I, I, I honestly had like so many feelings I treasured about, re- it took me probably like an hour to read that whole thing right. and I was sad when it was over because I just I love anytime anyone else wants to talk about Stephen King right. in this level of detail it makes me so no, happy I, and I wrote it over it took me a week to write I bet. and I but I really like and I'd taken so many notes that I really wanted to write more about all of them I was just trying to like spare myself <laughs> my editor <laughs> yeah. but I thought the part about Carrie that made me uncomfortable about the new Carrie was that you like you're always kind of rooting for Carrie, but the new one, it, there's something about it that felt a little bit like it was a little bit more gleeful in her destruction. Yeah, where you were like, where she was like kind of brutally murdering murdering these people, and it felt right. like it was too much on her side. And at the end, there's this weird part where, um, where I guess it's Sue, she's the one who survives, right? Or or um, maybe I'm making whatever. You Sue know, the, sounds right. Right, the one who survives. Yeah, the one who survives is like. Well, we kind of pushed her to it, so really, it wasn't it wasn't like her fault. And I'm like, just like in an era of like yeah. mass school shootings, like can we not like totally. kind of have this this vibe of like, well, yeah, she massacred everyone, but like maybe we deserved it because we were mean to her. Like that's just like not a sentiment yeah. that I'm comfortable with. And I think that the way they did it with like the way they kind of relished that violence, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but it's like Ansel Elgort's fun in it. Yeah. He he dies. Tommy dies right away in the in the new movie version really? the bucket hits him on the head and he like okay. he's killed instantly which i think is like a hilarious choice yeah that is funny but i don't like it because then it's like she's kind of doing it out of revenge for him yeah which like who cares well and this is the thing is i feel like that so i haven't seen it but i do feel like the way you're describing it it feels like a product of right now like revenge movies are so hot like people right. are so into that and in what was it the early 70s when the original carrie came out right. like no one had ever done this before of like right. a normal person snapping and just like killing everyone in a gruesome way right i mean the early 70s were kind of the advent of like the rape revenge genre so you have like last house on the left and um, but those were people who like who deserved it those were, right those right were, like, those, yes those carrie were was who, like who very uh, much deserved it right but, but carrie i mean and, and stephen king also wrote that book rage which is like oh yeah out of print yeah for good reason very good reason don't but, read it which is did you have you read it yeah because I, I i i never bothered to try to find it um so it's interesting as like a study in how fucked up things are like no one else would be brave enough to write that story and i read it because i was like oh i love like fucked up stories but it was it was really very difficult to get through um given the current yeah i don't think anyone needs to read it now but but i I think that like they're they're, like yes that sort of he definitely has that like that is a theme that he is exploring yeah um yeah i think you're right about carrie that it kind of like it hit that spot and like people weren't had not seen that right and i think that if you're watching that now as like a teen and it's your first stephen king movie that you're seeing like it's like it goes along with all the other horror movies that you're seeing out there which aren't really horror it's just like here's a person who's gonna get revenge by murdering everybody like i feel like every movie is like that now but in the original carrie you're really like it's pretty brutal but you're not you're and you you definitely like want her to kill the bullies or the you know yeah. her, her main you, her main aggressors feel, but when she kind of kills everyone right. including betty buckley you're like this is fucked up and right. she should be stopped right so it's not i mean it's and it's it's definitely like presented as horror and i felt like the new carrie was sort of like an action like exactly there was a little bit too much of like of that going on i totally agree but um yeah i would say it's kind of interesting worth watching i would probably skip the the uh, early 2000s TV movie version of Carrie. Yeah, I think that's fair. Which, uh, you know, was supposed to be a backdoor pilot for a TV series in which Carrie goes on adventures helping telepathic kids. Oh, boy. Well, have you read Dr. Sleep? I have not read Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Do you know? So they're making a sequel to The Shining. I know. No, I know about it. Which I, is Dr. Sleep. Right, right. I know that they're making a movie with you. Do you know, like, what it's about? Um, No, I think that I no, I don't remember. I've, I've like, I, I read about it, but I haven't. So yeah. Dr. Sleep is like, I think this is going to be, people are going to be so excited about it because everyone loves The Shining. But and it's, I not know a, it's not, it's not nothing to do with that, right? It has nothing to do with it. Uh, and Dr. Sleep, the book is like one of the most ridiculous books I've ever read. It's Danny Torrance grown up. Right. And he essentially joins a band of people sort of like roving gypsies almost who like uh-huh. all have The Shining um, and they travel the world trying to protect children with The Shining who are being like targeted by some evil corporation or evil presence or something it's ridiculous like right. i do not know how this is going to translate to a movie and i know that everyone is going to go to it expecting to see another shining and they're going to be real mad yeah i think that they would have to well they're <laughs> probably going to market it that way because it's just like 
Right. It's like, why would anyone see it Or they'll throw otherwise? in more Shining stuff. Right. But then it's not going to, it's going to be so weird. Yeah. I don't know. What is the organization? Is it like the shop or is it like no, a separate? It's, like, so it's like a weird, that, that was one of the problems I had. Cause this just came out less than 10 years right, ago. It's I like remember, a relatively yeah. new book. Um, and, uh, I remember reading it and being mad that it doesn't have the connections I was expecting. It right. just, it literally feels like he wanted to write a, a wacky book about gypsies with powers right. and just sort of put Danny Torrance in there. So I, it would make sense if it was the shop, but it's not, it's like some, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. It's like some evil presence that can sense the shining, but for no apparent reason. And they're just sort of evil. I don't know. It's one of those. It's not his best. Right. Well, the Shining's always been kind of ill-defined for me. I'm still kind of trying to figure out what the Shining is. Yeah. And who has it? Yeah. Well, it turns out that a lot of his characters have it. And <laughs> he sometimes he calls it the Shining. Sometimes he calls it the Shine. Right. And sometimes it's sort of implicit. Um, like in the Dark Tower, there's a couple characters that maybe have the Shine. Right. Um, and in the movie version, they do say that Jake has the Shine. Right. And I, I'm not convinced that Jake has the Shine. I think that that was a different situation. But there's another character that, that um, uh, Roland hangs out with in the books. I think the girl or there's somebody that he like interacts with that has it. Um, I don't know, but a it's lot been of a while do. since I read the uh, the Dark Tower series. Yeah, I would love to reread reread it. I would probably skip over Wizard and Glass's like four hundred page flashback. Yeah, I loved Wizard and Glass, but yeah, I could have lived without it being in the middle of the series. It's just such a long flashback. It's extremely. And you know long. where it's going. Like I get it, doomed love story. Right, and, just and it doesn't so much. add really anything to it the actual nothing. story. It adds nothing. It sort of gives you for some context for why he's so mad, but like you didn't really wonder why he was mad. I, in the I first was fine. Place. Yeah, I was. Yeah. It's funny though that like that like there was that much backstory in these books, and then like the movie was like ninety minutes. I know nothing made any sense. <laughs> no one like mythology was like so muddled. Like even yeah. someone who'd read all the books, I was like, I don't actually know what they're I trying know. to do or why they're trying to do this or like, yeah. like you know Matthew McConaughey's like Walter was like I guess Randall Flag, but like it's sort of unclear and he's yeah. killed so easily that right. but, but also Randall Flagg is killed really <laughs> stupidly in the book, yeah. so there's that as well. Yeah, that was one of my least favorite. Stephen King moments was yeah. the death of Randall Flagg. Yeah. The well, so I think that overall the Dark Tower has a really amazing ending. Like the the epilogue of Dark Tower, yeah, no, I think I agree. is incredible. But like otherwise, the ending is very sort of like confusing and disappointing. Doesn't he get? He, well, I don't want to say any spoilers, but he gets killed oh. by the. Oh, are we are we not spoiling? Do you try to avoid spoilers? I don't in general, but I feel like Dark Tower is something that like it has such a good payoff. Right. Okay. Yeah. I will. Well, but I definitely follow the epilogue, but I will say that I people hate that ending. I think it's actually one ep- of his. Right. I think it's one of his best endings. I totally ever. agree. Um, but it's difficult. Up. But it's I did, the right I, ending. I did definitely like reading that book, cry at every death because oh I was God. so attached to those characters, wow. and they just like he just kills all of them. Sorry, this is super yeah. spoilery, but, but it, yeah, you know. but no. yeah, no, I mean, everyone dies and it's yeah. so sad. Yeah, but that's the thing is Stephen King makes you care so much about every single one of those characters. Right. Also, you read like 8,000 pages about them, so you get pretty attached to them, but. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, uh, that's, uh, there's just so long. You read The Dark Tower for so long, you're so attached to those characters. Yeah. But like, how could you not, you know, love a Billy Bumbler? I know. Oh my God, he's the best. Well, and I think that the, so I don't usually reread books, but the ending of The Dark Tower, for reasons I won't say, really makes me makes want to you read want to the whole thing again, again yeah, of course, even yeah. though it's so long. So yeah, I, I would, I would it. love to read it again. I like, yeah. I don't read as much as I used to. I mostly do audiobooks and I, I mostly do nonfiction. So it's like The Outsider was crazy because I had to read it for that interview. And yeah. I, I, so I like got a copy, like a hard copy and I just like sat and read it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is what, this is like, I used to, so I remember like I was like home in bed, it was storming outside and I was like reading this book. And I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. But I was like, also, there are so many pages. I know. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and I can't just like scroll down. Yeah, it's tough. Did you read, you read The Outsider? I haven't read it yet. I'm pretty behind on his new stuff. Yeah. I, I, so I, I I read that one. I got a copy of the new one. I think it's, is it Elevation? Is that what it's called? It's, yes, that sounds right. And I, I read the back cover and it's a Castle Rock story. Yeah. And it's, but it's about... It said it's about someone who's losing weight and can't stop and can't figure out why. And I was like, so this sounds ex- incredibly familiar <laughs> to the point that I'm like, do you know you wrote this book already? Right. Is it possible that he's forgetting the ones? I don't know. I mean, I assume it goes in a different direction, but I was like, that's really funny because yeah. you famously wrote a story about this that was made well, into a film. Do you know the whole thing about how, do you know, um, what is it from a Buick six, whatever it's called from a Buick 68 or something? Something from Buick something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he did that because he was so disappointed with Christine that he wanted to like write the same plot again, but do it better. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. I have not read that one. Yeah. Me neither. I, I'm probably I'm sure it's fine without. Yeah. I think that's okay. I read Cell. So, you know, yeah, you've, you've put in your off. work. Yeah. Um, so here's my final complaint from your list. Great. 
Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Was number six. Yes. I'm going to read through the five that came before it, and I want you to justify why you think those movies are better than Shawshank. Okay. Okay? Um, so Shawshank is six. Number five is Dolores Claiborne. Okay. Tell me why that's better than Shawshank. Dolores Claiborne is a fantastic movie. I mean, they're all they're all great movies, though. Okay, top ten, or at least, like, the top... Like, when you get to this point, it's all personal preference, yeah. right? Like, Dolores Claiborne... I don't know. Shawshank Redemption is a great movie. And I think the one of the hardest things about that movie is that it sort of has become, because it's such a great movie and because it's so influential, yeah. a bit of a cliche. Like when you watch it now, it feels a little bit like, a little bit, um, like it sort of set these cliches. Right. So you watch it Like now it feels it feel- overdone because you've seen right. other movies. Yeah. And I tried to view it without, like outside of that lens, um, having only ever seen it before in pieces on TV over the years. So to sit down and watch it now... It's still really good. It still yeah. makes me cry. I just think that like I felt more excited about Dolores Claiborne watching that, which I had seen before. Yeah. But it just I don't know, it captured something that was like more interesting to me. Yeah. I haven't seen Dolores Claiborne. It's really good. I hear it's really good. Okay. And then number four, you've got Carrie. Yes. Which we talked about a little bit, but tell me why you think it's better than Shawshank. Well, I mean, Carrie is just like yeah, well, this is funny. The other thing that I was having trouble with, this is not why Carrie's number four, but I was really worried that all of my top choices were going to be like non-horror movies yeah. and that I was going to get like dragged because like right. Stephen King has like written plenty of like non-horror yeah. things and they're great, but I didn't want to be like, I, I take horror so seriously yeah. and I wanted to honor that. Um, and I was really worried this would be like Stand By Me and uh, and Shawshank were going to be like the top two or yeah. whatever. Um, no, I just think that Carrie is like, I mean, Carrie is such a great movie, like Stephen King aside, like it's just a great Brian De Palma movie. And I find it, I think it's like, I guess as a horror fan, like it's just like, it's so influential on the the genre. And like you were saying, it's sort of like a different kind of, this sort of like anti-hero where she's the protagonist, but also the villain is like so fascinating to me. Well, it's interesting too, because I think think you're right about Shawshank, like that concept has been done so many times in so many of those scenes. It's interesting that Carrie still feels so unique when you watch it now. Yeah, I think, but I think a lot of that goes down to like the direction and that like Carrie is such a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah. And Shawshank is like very well filmed, but it's also like, there's nothing, um, it's not, I don't know. It's pretty straightforward. Right. Like you watch it and you're like, this is a good movie. This is a really good movie. But Carrie is like, still has these like Brian De Palma moments that you're like, you know, these are so great. And what's crazy is like, when you watch the other versions of Carrie, they just copy his, right. They like the scene of Carrie getting her period in the shower is literally always shot the same way to the point yeah. that I'm like, you guys know you could do a different version of this, right. right? Like it's like, there's, there's plenty of ways to film it, but they all know that he like got it right the first time. But it's also like you can, he definitely got it right. But Sissy Spacek is so hard to, you can't do any right. better than that. Like her crazy no, eyes are like, and no one else gets that right. she also has the perfect look where she's like obviously beautiful, but can yeah. play plain. And like, yep. you, you, like you can, you believe she's bullied. Whereas like Chloe Grace Moretz, you're like, right. no, right. This, no. Yeah. This is not going to happen. Exactly. Okay. I think you've convinced me that Carrie maybe deserves to be up there. Okay. All right. Number three is Stand By Me. Yes. Why is that better than Shawshank? Because they're both sort of saccharine and... They are. I don't know. Stand By Me has been done so many times It has, movies. but that's what... I think what impresses me about Stand By Me is that, like, it's so good in a way that, like, movies about kids growing up rarely are. Like, it's so hard to find those actors. I mean, frankly, right. the reason that I thought the, the new It was, like... I, I mean, if the, the new It as a horror film, I don't love. Yeah. But the kids are so good they're in that so movie. Good. And their their interactions are so real and, like, lived in that that made me rank that movie higher. And Stand By Me is, like, kind of perfected that. Yeah. It is, like, this movie about nostalgia that should make you feel like this is a bit much. And yet it totally works. Yeah. And I think that it's just, I don't know, it's it's funny and it's sweet and it's smart and it it's just like really moving. But again, this is a lot of like personal preference yeah. here. Well, let me ask you this. Do you remember the scene in Shawshank where I forget <laughs> his name, but the old guy gets released from prison yes. and he goes and he's wandering the streets in a suit that's too big right. and he doesn't feel it at home and he just wants to go back to, to prison right. where, he, where he felt safe. He says he wants to go back home. Yeah. And he kills himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Don't you think that's better than Stand By Me? <laughs> I mean, nothing's better than the uh, the the pie vomit scene in Stand by Me. Pie vomit scene. You don't remember the scene where they're telling the story and it's and it, oh, and they're like in the treehouse and they're they a pie eating contest and then yeah. and then the oh vo- right that is okay fine fine that is Stand a classic cinematic fine. moment fair okay number two The Shining which Stephen King doesn't like by the way I I'm, I'm, I'm well, sure you're I'm aware. well aware and I talked about it like I've now talked about it twice yeah I, my, my <laughs> thing about that is that's so fascinating is like I think his reasoning is so off. 
like his reasoning for why it's not a good movie is like his thing is like the book is like hot and it's fire and the movie is cold and it's ice. Yeah. And I'm like, why is that a problem? Yeah. Like The Shining is like, and I'm not even a huge Kubrick person. Like I've seen most of his movies and I, I'm pretty much like, I don't get it. But The Shining, like it's so evocative and it's so intensely creepy. And yeah. it just like, there's the visuals in that movie are so incredible. And watching the, like the TV movie version of that or the miniseries, what was so rough is I'm trying to like have those similar moments, but like, I'm sorry to Stephen King an elevator of blood is yeah. so much like scarier, more effective than hedge animals moving toward oh, you. Yeah. CGI hedge animals yeah. it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> and like, I think that that's, that's an example of something he could write that does not work on screen. Um, yeah. I feel like that movie is all about the visuals. And I also think that like, um, I don't know. It just, those performances are really great. I know that people like rag on Shelley Duvall, but I think she's like so I mean, perfect. she's incredible in it. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson is, you know, at his best. And I don't know. It, it's it's a movie that's like uh, that and Carrie are like they're classic horror films that have people have tried to replicate again and again and they can never yeah. hit those heights. Well, do you remember at the end of Shawshank when the <laughs> one guy gets out of prison and he goes to that beach and you don't think he's going to see anyone there, but then he sees the other guy. Oh yeah, no, and they're going to hang out forever on the yeah, yeah. beach. I fully, I fully cried. I fully cried. It was great. It was great. It was very moving. I still like the shining more. Okay, fine. All right, and number one is Misery. Right. Which I think you're probably right is better than Shawshank. Misery is like it's just one of the so greatest good. films of all time. It's yeah. so good, and I think that like what I really appreciated is like it's just it's so it's so dark. And so funny and so like it just captures the best of Stephen King. Yeah. Where it's this like totally really agree. silly the concept is just seems really like kind of how would you pull this off? And it's so claustrophobic and it's so contained, right. but it works. And I think that also was like a lot of his a lot of those adaptations, like it's hard to imagine like how would this work on screen and they often don't and misery because it's such a small, you know, it feels like it works better as a stage play. Yeah. Even though the play was terrible. But you yeah. think like that makes more sense because I can see this is like a, a one room play. But um God, that movie is like so suspenseful and scary and it gave us the hobbling scene yeah we're smart to change it i think it works better <laughs> in the movie than it did in the book yep um the lawnmower shit they got rid of was yeah. also a good choice um i just love that movie yeah i think it's so good it's and so i good. also was glad to have number one that was a horror film yeah although it probably i mean the shining was my number one for a while and i was like no misery is like a better movie and i think you're right that like misery i think you know for all my complaints about like a stephen king book fan and right. and what the movies do wrong misery is the one that i feel like exactly captures what i pictured and what i was thinking while yes. i was reading the book and it does such a good job of like it's it shows the the narration and the um sort of like the background of the characters and how they interact with each other, which like I really feel like people who are not Stephen King super fans, I think discredit him by not realizing that the thing he does well is not horror. Like that's not what right. he's the best at. The thing he's the best at is like character development and making things feel real. And I think Misery does such a good job of bringing that to the screen. Yeah, and I think that like Misery is an example also of like a movie that works because of Stephen King. Yeah. Whereas The Shining works in spite of Stephen King. Right. The Shining has yeah. The Shining movie has so little to do with Stephen King. Yeah. You know, it's not like Lawnmower Man insanity but it's like yeah i was gonna ask you about lawnmower man <laughs> so i've never seen the movie yeah i recently read night shift for the first time and right. i read the, have you read the short story no but i know what it's about and okay. how it has nothing to do with yeah. and just for 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 my listeners um lawnmower man the story is about literally a guy who shows up to mow someone's lawn and the guy looks out his window while the guy is mowing his lawn and instead of mowing his lawn the guy is totally naked and has turned into a fawn and is running around eating his grass right. with his mouth and then he comes and murders him. Right. Terrible short story. And it was, I, you know, they turned it into a feature length film that had nothing to do no, with the story. Literally nothing to do with the story. I yeah. haven't seen the movie. Yeah. How bad is the movie? Um, I mean, people like it, I think, from a nostalgia point of view of like they watched it in when it came out. and it, You gave it 55 out of 60. Yeah. I think it's really bad. Um, I also, you can't get the regular version. You'd only get the director's cut, which I oh. hated. So it's also, the version I watched was very long. It was okay. like two, <laughs> like probably like 220 or something Shut like up. that. Um, but I mean, the, the thing about it is like, it's another main character. This isn't even Stephen King's fault. A character with a mental disability. Yeah. Who like, um, it's basically, it's like Flowers for Algernon or that right. movie Charlie, which is based on that. Like, it's like a story of like this guy suddenly like, regaining his like cog cognitive functions and like getting smarter and right. also becoming a virtual reality god and it's um it's just really fucking weird and not like fun weird right um 
there are some like neat moments that like I think that it, the, the, I heard the virtual reality scene. Isn't there like they have sex in virtual reality? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. There's all that stuff where it's like fun as like a right a time capsule or like we imagined that this was like this is what like like you know high tech virtual reality technology would look like. Right. The thing that was so interesting is like that the, they tried to make it a Stephen King movie by adding the shop in, so they talk about the shop a lot. But it really has no bearing on anything, and like it was clearly wasn't a Stephen King story when they started right. out. Um, and obviously, he took his name off the movie, so I I debated even including it, and decided that it was worth it because people know what Lawnmower Man is, yeah. even though it has nothing to do with him. And what? So I'm I'm really curious, like how did you decide which ones to include, and how did you go about ranking them? Like you said, you've done these kind of intense rankings before. Yeah, so I can't I even always, imagine. Yeah, no, I, I watched chronologically. Um, and okay. I, cause I wanted everything to be judged kind of like of its time. Yeah. So if you watch like a shitty, like eighties miniseries and then watch like a 2017 movie, right. it's not really fair. So I tried to kind of like match them up. Okay. Um, uh, I watch everything. I take notes. I give a letter grade and I start to like sketch out at the bottom a ranking based on okay. letter grades. Um, and then a lot of the work I do at the end is like saying like, that's when the personal preference comes in. Cause I'm like, these are all like, you know. A minus movies. These are all B plus movies. Right. They're all like C movies. So you kind of just like flip things around based on like what you think is better than the other. Yeah. Um, but doing letter grades like that gives me like a rough idea of where everything falls. Yeah. Um, I included I included all the movies um, all that were in theaters. I included all the TV movies. I did mini series and limited series, which was tricky because like Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which I included, was like a hard one because yeah. it was unclear if it, they ever intended to make more of those. But it seems like they only they wanted to do it as like an eight episode anthology, which I was like, that counts to me as like that a is a, that is a basically yeah. a mini series based on his short stories. Yeah, um, you know, uh, there were certainly ones like th- things like Castle Rock I couldn't include, Mister Mercedes Under the Dome, like things that had more than one season. The Dead Zone, I'm like not yeah. going to watch the entire series. Um, Haven, which I watched a lot of for some reason on on Sci-Fi. Uh, yeah, there were like other shows I didn't include because of that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't include anything that he wrote that was not based on something else. So he's written movies that are not based on stories. They're just right. Yeah, yeah. His movies. You didn't include those. I did not include right. those because it was just too much. Yeah. And so if someone um, came to you and was like, I've never read a Stephen King book or seen a Stephen King movie. Right. What one work, book or movie, would you recommend that they start with? God, that's like so tough because I feel I like know. it like, depends on the person. Because, like, I usually, like, I'm like, you should read The Dark Tower. But, like, I would not tell everyone to try, like, read all The Dark Let's Tower. Let's say you're on stage and there's 100 people in the audience. Right. And the question is, what should we collectively read? Oh. Like, what would work on most people? I mean, it, ugh, this is so tough. Like, I feel like Pet Cemetery is so scary. And, yeah. like, that's usually, like, if you want to read, like, a scary Stephen King book, like, Pet Cemetery is, like, it's a really solid story. It's very straightforward. And it, like, works really well. And it's it's like fucked up and, and, and creepy. And like, I really liked it a lot. And it show it, it, it's like, I think it captures that. Like he is good at, at writing like horror, real horror. Um, yeah. Something like misery. Like it's weird to read that book. Cause there's all those like romance novel parts of it that yeah. people might totally hate. Yeah. Um, and the books, so the books that I like are kind of the weird ones or they're really long. Like it, like it is, you know, it was my favorite forever before I read the dark tower series. Yeah. So, like it's hard to recommend a book that's a thousand pages. Or there's a ton of weird shit happening that, you know, may or may not have any bearing on the plot. Right. How do you recommend that? I don't know. I always recommend it. And everyone's like, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I feel like Pet Cemetery feels like a, a safer bet. Yeah. Um, I don't think The Shining is great, but like I enjoyed reading The Shining. Yeah. And I think that it, like it's pretty also accessible Stephen King um, from what I remember. And yeah. And movie wise, I think, I mean, I think Misery is a good like mm-hmm. entryway based on what we talked about because I think it really does capture his style. And a sense of humor. Um, and it's it's also uh, creepy and fucked up. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to watch Dolores Claiborne. I feel like that was the biggest takeaway that I got from your... Like, there's so many here that I'm like, I don't need to ever watch that. But Dolores Claiborne, I really feel weird that I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen Gerald's Game? Yes. Yeah, so I thought that was cool, too. Because Gerald's Game, obviously, and, and Dolores Claiborne are linked. And they have this, yeah. like... There's this weird psychic link they have. Um, and I love that in the movie version of Dolores Claiborne, they acknowledge that. Or, sorry, of, of uh, Gerald's, Gerald's Game. Game. Yeah. They acknowledge that. They have a Dark Tower reference. Like they, yeah. That movie felt like it was what I wanted from a Stephen King movie, which is like acknowledge you're part of this universe, this yeah. multiverse, and like. Well, give and me this that. is because that was Mike Flanagan, right? right. Directed it, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's sort of the new. Who's the one guy who directed most of the movies? Um, uh, Mick Garris. Right. I feel like Mike Flanagan is the new Mick Garris, where like right. he's 
a Stephen King super fan. He's yeah. starting to direct all these movies. And I really, I think he does a great job of like sticking those connections in there in a way that feels really yeah, natural. Yeah, he's just really, he's doing some really good stuff. He has yeah. a new show on um, on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House is him. Oh, yeah. that's him? Yeah. So I had no idea. Yeah, I heard it's, that's it's, amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I've only mm. watched the first couple episodes, but it's really scary and really yeah. good. And I think that he just is like a great director. Yeah, I I've liked him. his movies a lot. I think like Oculus uh, was good. Um, he's, yeah, he's a good director. Yeah. Even his, his, his Ouija movie was good. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. But it was like better than the first one. So I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, yeah, I think he's a good Stephen King director. Yeah, I, I want to see him. more of what he does. I don't want to see more uh, Akiva Goldsman scripts because he's yeah. doing Firestarter and I don't understand why. Yeah. Because that is not like that movie is bad. Like that movie is not not good. Yeah. Um, And I don't really want to see his take on it. Right. It also doesn't really need to be remade. Like it's not a great story. No, it's I, I think it's like very much. I mean, watching it, I was like, I, I had it read it. Yeah. Um. It, it's weirdly like basically the plot of Carrie. Like it's just about like someone with like powers who's yeah. kind of like pushed to her limits and then it's kills everyone. It's sort of a mix between like Carrie and Children of the Corn. Yeah. And both of those are great on their own. They don't really need a... Yeah, I actually did not like Children of the Corn. Having, the movie? Yeah, or or the remake, which... Or the the uh, the more recent version. Yeah. Have you read the story? Mm-mm. The story is super good and super scary. I can see that. Yeah. I, um, I haven't read enough of his short stories. I've read like... I read the more recent collections like... Um, I read Everything's Eventual. Oh, I love that I, one. Yeah. It's a great collection. Really good. Um, there are some some of those were adapted into the uh, into Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which, yeah. is, which was cool. Um, but yeah, I haven't read I haven't read the early short story collections. Yeah. Which I if you're read. gonna read one, I would highly recommend Night Shift, which is I think that's the first collection that he had. And yeah. so many of the book the stories in there are either like really good or really weird or really iconic. Yeah. And there's like a million because they're all really short. It's really good. I will I will pick it up. Great. Last question for you. Okay. If any of my listeners ever meet Stephen King, what should they expect? Oh. Um I I think that he's uh I've I mean I've never met him in that context, like a fan context. Um, but I think he would be very uh nice and normal and maybe a little off putting because he's kind of a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's just like a little. He he's weird, he's yeah. a he's a writer and he's like a you know a big kind of weird dude. Well, he's also like when I saw him in person, he's now just become fully like he's embracing the weird old man thing. Yeah, which I find really cute. Right. Um, but it's not what I expected. Yeah. No. No. He's just like he's a little bit of a weirdo. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, meeting him was really cool, and I I even though like he may not have loved me, I yeah. like <laughs> do not regret the experience and yeah. think that it was it was really. I'm glad that I got to do that. Yeah. That no, was like definitely amazing. a bucket list thing. Yeah. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for thank coming you for on my podcast. Me. We've been wanting to do this for so long, and I'm glad we I finally know, made it happen. We've rescheduled we've been going many back times. For a long time. I know. I think here. you wrote this like three months ago, and ever since then, we've been trying to schedule this, but I'm so glad we, we made did it happen. It. Me too. And in the future, if you read a Stephen King book or watch a movie and want to talk about it, this is a great place to do it. I will, I will hit you up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You will find the dairy connection, and we can party like it's. Six nineteen ninety nine.